right, okay. Good. That's another 150 new connectors. Good. All right, and please have a seat. Thank you. Okay, I've got a warning. I've got a warning. Here's the warning. Somebody's going to say something in this next session that you're not going to agree with. Okay, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine because you can't really talk about tech and digital transformation without dividing opinion, can you? So I'm just going to say that as we start. Okay, we've got some fantastic food for thought. It's all around this theme of tech and digital transformation, but it's designed to get us thinking. Because actually, over the last week, for reasons I don't need to remind you of, lots of us have been asking ourselves, why do we even need an office? Who's been wondering that over the last week? Why do I even need an office? A few people, okay? Some of us have been wondering, why do we come to an event? What is it? And from my personal experience, whether it's gigs, festivals, business events, Events have been where I've had the most life-changing experiences of my life. And certainly my business life is where I've met my business partners, my investors, my mentors, my coaches. One of the best events in the world is hosted by Drew Ellis on the front row, like mine's. It's world-class. And it's where I met Minter Dahl sitting next to him. And Derry, who's going to speak on this next panel. So for me, face-to-face -face gatherings matter more than ever. And that will come into our discussion now, when we probably touch on flexible working. There's a company that's called Tapit, T-A-P-P-I-T, and it is changing the way events organizers do their thing, but it also gives them a lot more information on who's coming to those events, who's being targeted, how they interact at that event. So I want to say that about Jenny Young, who's the chief marketing officer of Tapit. Not that she's going to talk in detail about Tapit today, but because she's going to talk more broadly around digital transformation. So please, let's open our minds. Let's reflect on the bigger picture, but also on our own personal story as well. Please welcome up to the Elite Business Live stage from Tappet, Jenny Young. Wow, that's a long walk. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for the kind introduction, Ollie. Um, as I said, as well as Ollie introduced me, I'm Jenny Young, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Tappet. Tappet is cashless technology products for events, venues, and stadium, and it enables people to get a really unique insight into their customers, what they do, what they buy, when they get there, to enable them to drill down and really make the most of the event for their fans, but also for the business. So there's a lot of talk about Industry 4.0. And as you can see from here, there's a lot of different technologies involved. Now, it would take me, well, probably about two years to talk about all these technologies, and I'm uniquely unqualified to talk about most of them. So this slide is basically a nod to defining what Industry 4.0 is. Thank you. BCG, and uh, I'm going to be going more into what you need to do and what you need to consider to get successful transformation and scaling for your organization. So when I was asked to do this talk, um, I did a lot of thinking about what factors are involved, and essentially I boiled it down into three key areas. I think the very, very most important starting point is data. Everyone needs data. Whether you are a business that is just testing websites, A-B testing, that is data. Whether you're in the business of articulating and defining, getting to the granular detail, data, 
detail of data, that is another type. Then on top of that, once you have the data, you need to look at which technologies are going to work for you, which technology is going to really power that growth. But ultimately, regardless of what technology and what data you have, it comes down to people. So you put those three things together and you think about all the potential possibilities and um, ways that this could work, and that's where you're going to find the real success for your organization. Uh, I wish that there was one simple technology that you could apply everywhere, but it doesn't work like that. Um, there's so many different ways of working with technology these days that you have to look at these simple pillars and distill it down for your organization. So I promise you I am not going to break into song, but as Julie Andrews once said, I'm going to start at the very beginning and talk a bit about data. So. When I looked at this, I, last time I looked at how much data is sloshing around the world, it was about two or three years ago, and it is incredibly different now. The volume of emails, the volume of tweets, I mean, there's words there that I didn't even know a couple of years ago. Um, so despite what it looks like, I promise you I was not involved in any of the tweets sent around Love Island, although my husband would probably say otherwise. This is another really interesting slide that talks about how much data is sloshing around just in one internet minute. And I think you may have been aware recently there's a lot of noise starting up about the carbon footprint of the internet, which I think will become a particularly important discussion point going forward for businesses. Now, if any of you are particularly interested in striking up conversations with your CIOs or CTOs when you get back, have a look at these new phrases from petabytes, exabytes, yottabytes, zettabytes. They're all there, and they are all going to be part of common parlance going forward. Some of these stats are quite breathtaking. 212 million DVDs equivalent will be created each day globally by 2025. And 40 times more bytes than there are stars in the observable universe this year. Um, but raw data is great. Everyone goes, yeah, we've got the data. But the com most common challenge we have as an organization is when we go into businesses and they go, yeah, we've got all this data. And it's like, well, what do you actually do with it? And I think um, Clive Humby said something really interesting around the fact that you know, if data is the new oil, then before it can be useful, it has to be refined, it has to be processed, it has to be combined to make useful tools. And that's exactly what everyone needs to do. And it comes that so what moment, you have all these stats, and yes, they might impress the board for a minute, but you have to be able to ask the next question and interrogate your data. And that's where important tools come in. And one of the biggest tips is don't let it drown you. There is a pressure to collect as much as you can and hoard it. But actually, there comes a point where it's not that valuable if you're not using the right tools to make sense out of it. Um, a data moat that you're building, people talk about, yeah, I've got this data moat, we've got all this, it's going to protect our business. Actually, it could exclude you from further business if you get lost in those numbers. So you have to keep a really cool head and make sure that, yes, you've got the data, yes, you know the facts, but you're able to interpret it in the right way. So looking at technologies for growth, you've got the data and you've got a rough idea of what you want to buy, what, what you need to do, but you have to look at it really clearly around um, what, what's in it for you. You've got to focus on your pain points. And to, to get the right pain points and unlock the right value from picking your technologies, you need to ask your team. And you need to be really clear about it. And there's lots of ways that you can ask your team that could cause fear, fear of downsizing. You need to ask them about their pain points. What is making their working day 
not so good? Is it too much email that they're handling? Is it that the Wi-Fi, the internet connection, is not as good as it can be when you're scaling at a rapid rate? Is there not an effective co communication tool for your business that means that people are missing out on news? What are the things that are stopping your team from doing the right job? But please be careful about how you ask those questions. The next thing you need to look at is your financial model. You know, are you a Tesco or are you a Tesla? With Tesco, you're looking at reaching as many people as possible. You're looking at huge volumes of data. With Tesla, it's a much more focused business model. So look at that, look at what you're aiming to do. And as a result of that, you should be able to refine down what technologies you need versus what technologies you want. The next piece after that is what skills you have and what skills you need. So if you think about it, you're looking at a piece of technology, who have you got in the business who can work that well? Who, what gaps, what new needs is it going to create when you pick that technology to help your business grow? Are you going to need to outsource? Does that have an impact on your financial model so that actually it prices out the technology? and keep an eye on the future. You need to look at what you need now, but if you're looking at that fast scaling trajectory, you need to also look at what you're gonna be going for in the next year, six months even, at some of the fast growth scale-ups. And what can you do right now? What is it that you need that's gonna take you from A to B to C on that special hockey stick that everyone talks about in startup land? So I'm gonna talk about a couple of technologies here um, that are becoming quite hot, becoming quite common, and they're not just about big businesses, they're also usable for small businesses. And the first is Robotic Process Automation, or RPA, if you want to use a catchy acronym. Um, robotic Process Automation is different from AI in that it's about doing the basic grunt work, that miserable stuff that people have to do, whereas AI is about machines thinking like humans, RPA is like doing like humans. Um, there's some incredible statistics here, and they expect, by 50, um, they expect that by 2022, 52% of all tasks will be done by machines. There's three essential types of RPA, probots, bots that do processes, that grim sort of data processing, clicking buttons, connecting things, chatbots, which I'm sure you know about, and no bots, which is about scraping information from different places and garnering it into one area. Um, but one of the things I would really say about RPAs, one of the biggest pitfalls is that often RPA comes from a different section of the business than tech. Um, often it comes from people like me who want to put chatbot on a website, or it might come from chief operating officers looking at how to streamline processes. But ultimately, if there's a disconnect between your tech team <laughs> and what you're putting in, that's where some of the biggest failures happen around RPA. And also, don't forget about people with this. People may not understand exactly why you're doing it, or they may feel the risk and put some blockers up towards this progress. I read a very interesting article in The Guardian the other day about how um, this woman helped a robot <laughs> make her obsolete. Uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a darkly amusing read, very well written if you've got time today or tomorrow. And the next one I want to talk about is AI. There are some huge leaders in AI, and there were some stats that actually made my jaw drop when I started to look into it. For example, Baidu, which is the equivalent of Google in China, um, they can replicate a whole human voice from 3.7 seconds of audio. 
So you can imagine there's quite a few voiceovers and celebrities that must either be delighted they don't have to do the work reading an audiobook, or very terrified that they're going to be made obsolete. Um, Facebook, Facebook's photo um, deep face can actually spot human faces in photos better than humans can, <laughs> which is quite bad if there's an incriminating photo with you in the background, I would suggest. And Tencent, again, they put AI in the very center of everything they do. I think we're all fully aware of what Apple and Amazon do. We're probably all sitting there with Siri on our arms or in our pockets and um, Alexa sitting at home listening into everything we do. But what they're building in terms of recommendations and helping ease your day in terms of AI is, is quite incredible. I read a very interesting description of what AI was. And that was that you don't tell a child when they're learning to ride a bike to push one left foot down, do it in a circle, and then bring it back up again. You kind of push them off, they fall over a couple of times, and then they succeed. And that's very much how AI works. It's about learning, failing, and finding the best possible outcome through machine learning. But there's loads of different ways that smaller businesses can use it. Um, at the moment, Salesforce is looking at AI in its CRM systems. Chatbot customer comms, we must have all been on the receiving end of them at some point, and they're getting quite clever. Um, the thing that darkly amuses me at the moment is um, that HR seems to be the, the unwilling recipient, human resources, of um, a lot of both AI and RPA in terms of um, the logistics and the legwork, um, sifting through CVs through to sending out automatic newsletters or updates or connecting payroll with um, employees' histories, etc. But also competitive analysis is incredibly interesting around AI and that understanding sentiment. Um, I also read recently that Grammarly, I don't know if any of you use Grammarly, but they can actually now spot the tone of your email. I don't know if they do Scottish passive-aggressive, but I'm sure I'll find out quite soon. But then that moves on to the most important people, the most important bit in this whole thing, which is people. And it's especially the case that by 2025, um, half the work will be done by robots. And that's incredibly important that we take people on this journey because they're going to make technology succeed, but also they can make it fail if they want. Now, recently, um, Harvard Business Review um, outlined in one of their big pieces that it takes a team to succeed when it's implementing technology for growth. And there's four key personas. Now, it may be that a couple of people are playing you know, the two roles at the time, depending on how big your organization is. But it's an incredibly important thing to bear in mind that when you're implementing technology, just have a think about who you've got on your team and who is doing what. So, of course, the sponsor, the sponsor needs to be high profile, needs to be a leader in the business, needs to be able to make sure that they've got sufficient resources and sufficient manpower and backing for the project to ensure that it succeeds. The champion is the person leading the actual specific project. And that's somebody who can deal with the diplomacy needed to implement it, can troubleshoot it, and can make sure that the team is cohesive and the vision is set and the communication is happening. The project manager, guess what? They're there to actually manage the administrative tasks, make sure it's on track, and sort of sort out any hiccups. And then the integrator is the person who is there to make sure that other departments and other people are feeling absolutely comfortable with it and that it's getting used in the right way. 
but there's a lot of barriers to successful implementation. And I think, you know, fear of new technologies and machines has been around. So there's a lot of movies in my presentation today, I suddenly realized, but I was thinking about Metropolis through to Space Odyssey, through to all the different um, horror stories about tech. There's a lot of that out there. I think Terminator is probably the best. Um, and, and I think that's going to continue. And so people, you need to be very mindful of how you are communicating the use of technology, what's in it for people, what's in it for you. It may be that there's no benefit to the people who are actually implementing the technology. They cannot see it. It's seen further up in the organization. So you need to make sure that people are being recognized, rewarded, and communicated effectively with to make sure that the, um, the technology is successfully implemented. Now, there's two different types of people here, and both of them require really clever skills to sort out. I think the first ones are quite clear. It's the assassins. Nah, it's never going to work, never going to do this, never going to do that. And you, you can use fairly blunt instruments to get them back on board from carrot, stick, recognition, reward. All those kind of things can help stop the assassins from doing what they do best. But the hedgers, they require special Jedi mindset. Those people, and you've probably all seen them in your organization, will sit on the fence, ready to jump down and go, yes, if it's going well, or knew it was going to fail. And you need to make sure that your team and your leadership team are aware of that and are sending very clear messages to your organization about the vision, the expectations of it, and making sure that that is frequently followed up to to sort of neutralize hedger behavior, you have to make sure that people are totally um, aligned and that people are rewarded and recognized for the same thing. So for example, if you're putting a technology out that is all about improving the quality of your product, it's not about quantity anymore, then you need to look at making sure that's coming through in everything you say and do in your business. You need to make sure that in job appraisals or in praise or recognition or rewards, it's the quality that is being reflected. It's about changing culture and messaging right the way through the organization to help stop hedging behavior. And again, cultural support. How can you make sure that the, the imp successful implementation of the technology is suitably rewarded? It's maybe not a bonus, but it could be just having someone spotted out for a fantastic um, performance, behaviors, praise, Whatever is going to help ensure that your business can successfully implement technology. Because let's face it, technology is never going to go away. You're going to need it, but you need to make it work. So again, successful implementation. This is kind of where I, where I end up. It's the marketing perspective. You are basically um, selling a new product to your team and your workforce. So the first thing is co-creation. You've listened to their pain points. You've reassured them, but you also need them to help in the actual um, crafting of it, giving feedback, feeling they're part of the journey. Because let's face it, it's so much easier if you've got buy-in from, from the very beginning with your team rather than just going, ta-da, here we've got a new product that's going to make your life better. If you don't take them with that journey and they feel they've had an input, it's just human nature to shut down. Second, input and user insight. Make sure that people are trialing it. Make sure that people, when they feed back and they're using it, that you're learning and you're adopting or you're at least feeding back while you're not changing things. It's making sure there's that continual improvement that's going to be so important. 
and identifying the right stakeholders. It might not just be about making sure the board's happy, making sure your boss is happy. What about the people on the ground? What about the operations managers? Who do you need to make sure is really buying into your technology project to make sure that the business can grow successfully? And manage expectations. Technology is not a silver bullet. It really isn't. Um, so often projects fail because people are expecting it's just going to like sort everything and it's going to be absolutely perfect from day one. These kind of things <laughs> mean projects often fail from the outset or scope creep. That's the other thing. People fall down a rabbit hole and go, oh, there's so much data. What can we do with it? Actually, you've got to sort the first part out, get it working right, then we can start looking into other possibilities for it. And I think this is one of the most important things. I love this quote. Technology, just because it's great, does not mean you can use it absolutely everywhere. You have to make sure that you've got what you need to succeed, not what you want. I mean, I would love a Bentley, but I'm stuck with my um, battered old car. Um, you've got to make sure that you don't just use it everywhere because you have it. Make sure that you're using it because you are responding to a particular need from your business and that you can really make it work. Then you can move on to the next project. So hopefully I've given you a whistle-stop tour of the kind of things you need to bear in mind when you're applying technology for growth. It's about data. It's about using that cleverly. It's about technology, picking the right technology, something that's really going to work for you based on your needs, your budget, and where you want your business to be. But also, finally, having a look at some of the easy fixes, for example, RPA, which doesn't require any technological build into your actual systems. It can just be put on top, versus AI, which can be the really clever stuff, which can help make your business much more intuitive. So there we go. Um, I'm finished now, and I'm going to hand over to Ollie for the talk. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, Eddie. Come and have a seat. Thank you very much.